NWP Radio. You're listening to NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. So, hello viewers. We're just a couple days away from November 1st, and so many of you in the National Writing Project know that that is a very special day because it's the start of NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. So many of you were already bought in, but you know, we have also heard from people this year in particular who have said, you know, with everything going on this year, with emergency remote instruction with hybrid learning. Maybe this is actually the year that I'm going to take the jump and do NaNoWriMo with my young people. And so we wanted to bring you some resources and some ideas for you to get started if you think that you'd like to do NaNoWriMo. I've got two people here who are going to talk to you today. Uh, On the screen, you're going to see Mariah Brennan. Hi, Mariah. Uh, Mariah is the program director at NaNoWriMo. And also Sean Krasett, who is a high school teacher at Albany High School, who's been doing NaNoWriMo now for about four years. And between the two of them, they're going to get you started so you can take advantage of NaNoWriMo this year, whether you're in classrooms with your kids or whether you're at home. So now, Mariah, I want to start with you because I think a lot of folks in the National Writing Project do have a sense of NaNoWriMo, but there may be some viewers to whom this is new. And so would you take us through what is NaNoWriMo and why should I be excited to try and do it? I can absolutely do that. I have a little presentation I would love to share with you. So I'm going to share my screen now. So. National Novel Writing Month and the Young Writers Program, what the heck is it? I can tell you. So first I'm setting the mood. For me, this picture kind of sums up NaNoWriMo. It's a picture of a middle school classroom in Alameda at the end of NaNoWriMo. So we'll just say hello to them. So NaNoWriMo is like the big parent org. So we're an organization that provides the tools, resources, community to um, help people reach creative writing goals. We do stuff all year. But our big main event is National Novel Writing Month, where in the month of November, people all around the world, usually around 400,000 people every year, um, try to write the first draft of a novel in just 30 days. For the adult program, that's 1,667 words per day. And in order to do that, you can't worry about, am I a writer? Should I be doing this? Like, you just have to write. It's not about getting the right words out. It's, just, it's about getting the words out, which is actually kind of how real authors work. They write. They don't worry about those those terrible first drafts. That's just a part of writing a novel. It's a terrible first draft. So the Young Writers Program takes that same kind of philosophy and energy of um, determination and enthusiasm and valuing quantity over quality and helps young people do it. So it actually started really organically where teachers who had done NaNoWriMo were like, I love this. This is an extremely meaningful experience. And I want to share this with my students. And so we noticed them starting to, you know, trying to, to adapt our program to their students. And we thought, you know, we can, we can help with that. And so now we have this whole huge program called the Young Writers Program. And I gave that 400,000 number earlier. About 100,000 of those people are young writers and educators, both in classrooms, but also a lot of young people participate outside of the classroom, too. And they try to write novels with us in November as well. 
novels maybe look a little different for like a first grader than a seventh grader than a 12th grader than 80 year old person so in the young writers program we provide a lot of resources but we also allow them to set their own individualized word count goals uh, which is i think one of the the best things about it when i did this with my seventh graders my one of my the highest goal is 11,000 words and that student that was the most she had ever written in that month and the lowest goal I think was around a thousand words and that was the most that student had ever written in a month and since we track progress to goal and it values you know just like persistence and words rather than you know the quality of your words it was really accessible for, for each of those students and they both got to feel super successful so I mentioned resources we have a bunch of stuff I'm just going to touch on it now you can explore the Young Writers Program is 100% free, 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 free. When I was a teacher, I was like, is it free? You know, like anytime <laughs> someone mentions something. So it is free. We have a website. You can check it out. We have a bunch of teaching resources like Common Core Aligned Curriculum for all grade levels, Young Novelist Workbooks with super kid-friendly activities, classroom kits. We send out physical ones every fall, but we also have a bunch of digital ones with different resources. I remember when I was teaching, like you can spend hours and hours making stuff like this. And so we just wanted to kind of provide as much as we could, knowing that people will edit it because they know their students better than we do. Our online writing space, again, there's lots of goal tracking charts. Your students can type their novels on our site, but they can also type them in a Google Doc and just update their word count manually. Either way, they'll get progress updates towards their goal. I'm at 25%, I'm at 50%. You can cycle through different goal tracking tools. That's my favorite part because it gives you kind of immediate feedback on how you're doing in a way that students don't always get because you're just one person. There's a classroom chat tool. You can talk to your students. There's a, I love this, there's an admin panel where you can track a, a narrow view of your students or you can expand it out and see like, I wanted to look at Kristen Sibold, who was my intern like several years ago and I keep using her in this presentation, but you can see like exactly how many words she wrote each day you could read her novel if you wanted to read it. I can click through and read it. I can change her goal. I can celebrate her success. Like, good job, Kristen. There's lots of other things. It's COPA compliant. It's easy to sign up. We've got a lot of resources. That's just kind of like the big picture view of what we offer. And I know that we're going to dive into more details. And these are things you can also explore on your own later. So I think, yep, I think I'm going to go ahead and stop there. Those are the basics. Elisa, maybe I'll hand it back to you. Yeah, let's take you off screen sharing and we'll all be together here. That That's fabulous, Mariah. Thank you. And and I think everybody could see from what you were sharing that one of the reasons why we thought this would be a wonderful thing for people to think about now during the pandemic, where so many people are in a remote situation, is that this stuff is available online, can be done online, the resources are online, and the kind of crazy interest-driven insanity of write a novel about anything, whatever you're interested in, just keep writing and keep writing. What a great thing for asynchronous time because it's so deeply, uh, deeply interest-driven by the writers. So I think you gave us a picture of that, but I know uh, because we've been pitching NaNoWriMo in the NWP for a very long time. And if you haven't done it, it's almost hard to imagine what it would be like to do it. And so I think we're going to kick over to Sean and your four years of experience. Like, give us a picture of NaNoWriMo in action. Yeah, so NaNoWriMo is 
it's one of the highlights of my year every year. I, I always really look forward to it. And, and my students always report that it's, you know, one of their favorite experiences from the year as well. And so what it usually looks like in my classes, we'll spend the last two weeks of October preparing. And so that will start off with just brainstorming some really basic ideas that they might want to write about, like soccer or dance or, you know, aliens or something like that, right? And then we'll talk about, okay, how do you take that idea and turn it into a premise, right? You give it a specific character, you give it a conflict. All right, now we've got a, we got a story cooking. And after that, we will we'll talk about, you know, developing characters, right? How do you give a character flaws? How do you have, give a character conflicts and things that they're going to struggle with throughout your story? We'll talk about plot. So we'll, I'll often give the, the hero's journey as, a, as an option for, you know, students to think about how they want to structure their plot and the events that are going to happen. And then also during that prep time, we will figure out a good word count goal for them, right? So like Mariah mentioned, the, the official NaNoWriMo word count goal when people give themselves the challenge is 50,000 words, but that, you know, that is, I think, a, a life-consuming amount, and so I, I would not put that on students at all. And so instead, I've done this project with ninth graders and 12th graders, and, and I found that I set the minimum at around like 8,000 or 9,000, and then, you know, the maximum is 50,000, and I've had a few students do 50, and, and they were prepared, and they did it. But I think most of my students in ninth grade, they will come in somewhere around nine to like 12,000. And so anyway, I sort of help them by, we, we do some things where we gauge like how you know, how sort of quickly do they write at a normal pace on top of like how enthusiastic are they about it, right? And, and we sort of help them judge. And then once we get to November, what it looks like is every period in November basically becomes a writing workshop period. So we'll do a mini lesson for, you know, 10, 15 minutes. We'll have a big chunk of, you know, the class period to write. And then at the end, we'll do some sort of debrief or reflection or check-in. And, you know, those mini lessons can be about all kinds of different things. Sometimes one that I teach is about using sensory details. One is about experimenting with paragraph length, you know, because I think a lot of students have not had much fiction writing experience and don't actually realize that you can do a paragraph that's one sentence, right? Or you can do a paragraph that's huge, right? You know, or anywhere in between. It's sort of your choice depending on what you need to do. We'll talk about, you know, writing dialogue. We'll talk about doing flashbacks and flash forwards and sort of non-linearity. And I, one of the things I really love about doing it in that writing workshop style is that they get to just go jump in and do the thing like that day, right? If we just learned about, you know, what is an anaphora, then boom, they can just go in and start doing it in their writing. And so that's one of the things I think feels really rewarding to them. And then after November, we will usually have a couple days of, of kind of celebration. So we'll We'll do some, some kind of fun things like designing novel covers. We'll do some mm -hmm. public readings, you know, and, and all kinds of things like that. And so, I mean, I think one of the things that, that I love about doing NaNoWriMo is, you know, our goal as English teachers is to get students to see 
the writing of others as sort of constructed as series of choices, of wondering about the implications of those choices and how they affect the reader. And I think students get a lot of experience analyzing the choices of others, but not as many experiences to make their own choices and get the experience of making choices about characters and about plot and about setting, you know, all of these kinds of literary things that we we teach them to see in other works, but it's, it's a whole new experience when they actually do it for themselves. What you're talking about is also really a kind of literature education too. So I know that there are folks who say, well, especially you're a high school teacher. Well, we, we have all this stuff we need to do with the novel. You're doing a lot of teaching about literary form and effect and character development and elements of understanding literature. You're doing it in those mini lessons and then they're applying it in their own writing, but there's a lot of content coverage there. Yes, I'll even share one of my favorite examples is, let's say we've, you know, we've learned like three different skills that week. I will send out a Google form that is like, pick one of the skills we learned and then copy and paste a section from your novel that shows you doing that skill. And then they, they write a little bit about it. So for example, one of the mini lessons that I teach is how do you use the setting to create a mood in a scene? And so that's some of the best analytical writing that I've seen students do is, you know, they, they have to think about, well, what was the mood that I was trying to create? What specific words and images did I use in order to create that mood and that effect for the reader? And I feel like that's a sort of, you know, a, a pretty common kind of literary analysis prompt yeah. that students will do in other people's writing, but I actually saw them, you know, really flourish when it was, uh, when, when they were the one analyzing their own choices. And, and I've seen it improve their writing later in the year when we go back and look at, uh, and look at other novels. I had students who, I taught seventh grade, and I had students who never understood how to do dialogue until they did it in their own novels or who never under, like who, who could do it on a worksheet, but, but didn't really get it until they had to grapple with it in a real way. And I think it really is such a rigorous way to learn these things and, and be able to apply it in other ways. That's so cool to hear, Sean. Sean, you mentioned the G word, the grade word. We were talking before, that is a topic that comes up. That's a question I hear a lot. Many of us are working on ways to quote, ungrade our classrooms, but not everybody can do that in their teaching situation or choose to do that. But people are often challenged to think about how to grade creative work. But you've already opened up one kind of pathway that's not about sort of grade your novel, how good is your novel, but grade something else. And so talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, so the way that, that I've done grading for this project is there, there are sort of two main grades that come along. And so one is a weekly reflection form that I send out. And so I just put this in a Google form and I'll take whatever the two or three skills that we learned that week in the mini lessons, right? So maybe it's like something like creating a setting or using the setting to create a mood. And then maybe another one we learned that week was anaphora. And then maybe another one we learned that week was, you know, something else. And so on that Google form, it's like, hey, here are the, you know, three different skills we learned this week, pick one of them. And then it will take students to a like special section for that question. And it's been basically copy and paste, you know, somewhere between a paragraph and a page or so of your novel that demonstrates you doing this skill. 
and then I'll have some questions underneath for them to, to, to write about, you know. So for example, that the one that I was talking about before, the, the using the setting to create a mood, the questions underneath are where the grading element comes in, where I'm, you know, I'm just looking for them to show some thought and I'll ask something like, you know, tell me about the mood you're trying to create here. What words did you use? You know, how effective do you think it is? And so anyway, that's one type of grade is the weekly reflection form. And the other type of grade is the, the sort of progress form, the, the progress for NaNoWriMo, right? Because one of the, one of the sort of non-English specific skills that we learn in NaNoWriMo is this kind of big project management, time management, right? Working on a one piece of writing for a really extended period of time. And so basically the, the other way that I do grades is about, you know, a quarter of the way through the, well, I guess if you just map it onto November, right, ideally people should be completing 25% of their novel per week, right, if there's four weeks in November. And so anyway, the way that I do the second grade is, is a progress check. So after the first week, I have what I call like a soft deadline of 25%. There's no grade attached to it, but it's just a check-in of just, hey, where are you at? Are you at, you know, 23%? Like, cool, great, you're doing fine. Are you at, you know, 35%? You're, you know, you're ahead. Are you at 3%? Like, all right, let's talk. Let's, you know, let's figure out how we can adjust and, uh, and catch up a little bit. And then the sort of the hard grade is then the 50% deadline. So that's half of the way through the project. And I, I, I scale that as well, right? So if, if you're at 50% or greater, like 20 out of 20. If you're at 45%, like 19 out of 20. If you're at 40%, you know, 18 out of 20 or you know, something like that. And so anyway, the, the way that I kind of weight those is I put more weight on the skill piece, right? So I put, I, I would say the writing reflection forms probably turn out to be about, you know, 70% of the total project grade. And then the sort of 50% check-in and 100% check-in are, are, you know, about 30% of the total grade. And so what I like about that system is I think it, even if students are not like fully, you know, keeping up with the, the goal, they can still do quite well with, you know, the things that they are writing. And so it's sort of, you know, I, I, I like that balance of it and have found it to be successful with students. So may I ask, oh. Oh, go ahead. So I, I always, sometimes I'll hear from teachers who are like, how could I possibly grade an entire novel? And my answer is I was like, do not try to grade their whole novel. Like that is a massive undertaking. And also since the whole part of the whole point of November is to like, we keep telling them like, don't worry about how good it is. Just get your words out. And then to turn it around and be like, no, I'm going to grade your content in November. Always feels so wrong to me. I never read all my entire students' novels. I read excerpts, like it sounds like you're doing. Do you read all of them? No, I, I don't think it's feasible at all to, to expect to read all of every student's novel. I think the main experiences that I get are through those excerpts that they share each week, and then also through the sort of conferences that we'll do where I'm just sort of helping them, you know, if they're stuck on something. But yeah, I think that's definitely a really big takeaway is, is the, the expectation for teachers is, you know, you do not have to read every full novel and grade every full novel. That, that I think would be a, a insurmountable task. Well, and, and in addition, I just wanted to go back. I, you've said it a couple of times, both of you, in terms of the philosophy. I was noticing, Sean, while you were talking, Mariah was like, yes, yes, yes. You were nodding along with it. That 
there are many teachers for completely right reasons that worry about sort of the obsession that young people have with how long it has to be. Often, you know, we'll say we want an essay. Well, is that, you know, how many words in the essay? Is it one page? Is it two page? And we want them to just write. So there's sometimes this kind of automatic reaction about quantity over quality. But there's actually a philosophy in NaNoWriMo that starts with, well, first off, the quantity is insane. <laughs> so it's not like the difference between one page and two page. It's an insane quantity. And that insanity is to let something loose. Would either of you want to kind of talk about that? Because it is an unusual thing to boldly say, I think, Mariah, you did a little earlier, because we really want quantity over quality. But there's a thought behind that. Would you talk about that a little bit? So I'm also a writer, right? A lot of people who work at NaNoWriMo are writers. So I'm working on a novel. I know a lot of people who are working on novels, like real authors, you know? Like we talk to a lot of real authors, by which I mean like they've got published work. This is what they do for a living. This is how they write. Like a, a, an author cannot sit down at their desk and say, I'm going to write the perfect novel right now, or they would literally write nothing. So what they do is they give themselves permission to get to like write as much as they need to write to burst through all of the bad stuff and then end up with the first draft that's like, I've never seen an author's first draft and I never will because it's like, it's not going to be good. It's going to be so rocky. And it's only through the process of letting yourself write badly that you can learn to write well. And then once you, you have that bad writing, you can spend as much time as you need rewriting and rewriting and rewriting. And that's like an authentic writing process versus trying to get it right the first time like that's just not how writers work. So I, I love this project because it, it is about writing how off, like writing in the way that authors write. Yeah, I think that is that is definitely the, the philosophy of NaNoWriMo is the, the, the first draft is not expected to be good. It won't be good. It is expected to be bad. You have succeeded if you wrote a bad book. And because the, the good books come out in revision, right? And some teachers, so I, I have not sort of extensively done revision work, but one teacher who I will mention her resources later is Laura Bradley, who also is a, a Bay Area teacher. And she has a lot of online resources that I'm going to highly recommend later. She does some revision work like with students months later after they've had some time to, to step away from it. And, and so that's also an option on the table. But yeah, I would totally agree that the, the, there's, there's an analogy. I don't even remember where I came across this, but I share it with students every year. It's, it's some weird screenshot of like a blog post that I took or something and I share it with students. But basically it, it describes this analogy of a pottery class and uh, the professor divides the class into two groups. One group is graded on the amount of pottery they create. So if you make 40 pounds of pottery by the end of class, you or by the end of uh, the semester, you will get an A. If you make 30 pounds of pottery, you'll get a B, etc. The other group is only allowed to make one pot and it has to be perfect. And those two groups at the end of the semester, you can imagine who created the better work, right? The group that made 40 pounds of pottery there were plenty of throwaways, but they learned along the way. They got better, and some of their final pieces of pottery were probably some of the best. You know, the group that was only allowed to make one pot and it had to be perfect, but, you know, 
they never made anything because they were afraid of doing it wrong. And so I think that I share that analogy with my students every year as, as part of the philosophy of NaNoWriMo is we're just, we're making the pounds of pottery. Like we're just putting the words out and, you know, you write a chapter and you're like, oh, that wasn't that great. Okay, keep going. You write another chapter and you're like, yeah, that was all right. You write another chapter and you're like, yeah, that was not that good. And you write another chapter and you're like, oh, I actually like that moment in there. And then you write another, you know, and, and you get better as you go. I want to ask you, Sean, to talk a little bit about, uh, like, do you actually see this working online? Part of what I was arguing at the beginning of this episode was actually, if you haven't done it, this is something you could jump into in uh, remote or hybrid instruction. Could, can you see that working? And are you going to end up doing it in whatever situation you have this year? Yes, uh, I think it can certainly work online. My school is is fully online right now. And, uh, you know, we just finished our our first prep week of, of, you know, putting ideas together. And so my students today are, are working on submitting their premises to me for their, for their novels. And so anyway, I think it can totally work. I imagine many uh, National Writing Project people are familiar with a, a workshop model of English class. And, and I think this is very much the same thing, right? It's, it's doing a mini lesson. It is you know, conferencing with students and uh, you know, debriefing at the end. And so I think this is, you know, very much going to be the similar experience just on Zoom, right, or on these video conferencing platforms where I'm going to do a little 10 to 15 minute mini lesson on an idea. Students are going to, you know, go right. I'm going to, you know, do one-on-one -on -one meetings with students and then we'll debrief at the end. You know, I, I think there's, of course, I think there's something really special about doing it in person and the sort of what it feels like to be in a room full of people all working on their writing. I think it's a very exciting energy, but I think, you know, we're going to try our best to, to translate that into, into the sort of digital space. But yeah, I, it's totally doable in the online format. Well, maybe we've convinced some people. And so I'm wondering, and, and Mariah, you said you also did NaNoWriMo with your middle school students and Sean, you're a high school teacher. So we have a kind of a, a great spectrum here for advice. So I want you to picture these people that are like, okay, I might jump into this thing. If you were to say, what, what advice would you give them, first timers, or even people who have tried it a bit and they'd love some advice, what advice would you give them or what pitfalls did you go through? What would you say? Mariah, let's start with you. What would you say? So one, I think that there's this, this idea that you, if you're going to do this, you have to spend like every minute in November writing or you have to spend like all this time in October getting ready. And I guess one thing that, that I would say is that it, it really is a project that fits into your schedule and your structures that you already have in place. Like Sean, you mentioned writer's workshop. So many teachers are already doing that. And so when you think about NaNoWriMo, it doesn't have to be like, I have to change everything I'm doing to do this special thing. It can really fit into like your, your, your normal structures. So if you have October and all of November to devote, to this like great do it but I also know teachers like I didn't have that time when I was when I was a middle school teacher I, I taught history as well so I had to do both and so I just set the goals I set my students goals based on the idea that they would only be writing with me and they would not be writing for all of November they would be writing for like 15 days that I could you know find time within November to do it so maybe they didn't write quite as much as someone who, who would be writing all of you know all those 30 days but the project was still super meaningful for them. And I made it work with, within my, my structure and, and my other, like the other things that I had to do 
during the day. So that's one thing I would say. Sean, what's your best advice for somebody trying this for the first time? I think, I think an important piece of advice is that when I introduce NaNoWriMo to my students, I think that like 20% of them are like super jazzed immediately. They're like, yes, let's do it. And they're so excited. And then I think I have probably, you know, a middle, whatever, 50 or 60% of my students who are like, okay, <laughs> I'll, uh, we'll see. And then I think there's, you know, 10 or 20% of students who are like, what are you talking about? I have to write a novel. And I think, I think an important part of, of introducing this project to students is acknowledging and accepting and, and validating those feelings wherever they are on the spectrum. And, you know, because I think it, it, it can look like a really big intimidating project on the surface. And so I think just acknowledging that like, hey, this is going to be a really big adventure. I'm going to help you along the way. I'm not just going to, you know, push you into the deep end and tell you to go write a novel. I think I have found that just emotionally preparing students for like, hey, like this is going to be really cool. It's going to be a big challenge. Like if you're feeling a little bit intimidated by that, that's totally okay. You know, we're going to, we're going to work on this together. And I think I, I have found a lot of success with that where just in some like surveys that I've done with my students, one that I did a few years ago, I asked them if this was a worthwhile project that they would, you know, recommend doing again with students next year. And out of the like 70 respondents I got, a 97% response of like, yes, like very good, like do it again with students. And so I think if we imagine any of the projects that we do with our kids, I don't know if many of them will get a 97% like would do it again, very worthwhile experience rating. Um, so anyway, just to summarize, I think that, that acknowledging the student's emotional reaction to how they might react when they find out that they're going to be writing a novel I think one problem that I had, and I don't know, Sean, maybe this doesn't happen with high schoolers, but with a lot of my middle schoolers, they were very used to planning like shorter things, you know, like beginning, middle, end. And so when we do, like, I, I remember I was like, bright eyed, you know, like, <laughs> I'm going to try this project. And I, we planned out like a little plot roller coaster, which is one plot structure. And they were like, okay, I got my beginning. I got my inciting incident. I have my climax. I have my resolution. And I was like, yes, it's going to be great. And then those, some kids, not everybody, but some kids would start and they have like, you know, several sentences for the beginning, several sentences for the inciting incident, several sentences for the climax. And they're like, I'm done. And I was like, oh no, because it's much harder to like, then go back and get them just to pull out those moments than it is to get them to kind of have the moments in the beginning. So something that I took away the next time I did it was making sure that their plan was like much more robust going into it and just clarifying like this is going to be just having having much more of a, a plot built out and not all authors work like that but I do think it kind of works better for in the middle school classroom yeah this is a great segue into some of what I hope we could talk about as we wrap up because in a way both of you are talking about the benefits for young people of planning and executing a longer term project planning and executing something that's intimidating or daunting at the beginning. You're not really sure you could do it and then you do it and you get that kind of rush that you've accomplished something. And so this project management thing in a way hides behind some of your comments and it's some of the great resources actually that, that both NaNoWriMo makes available, but then also that NaNo teachers have shared with each other. 
So I'm wondering, you had mentioned, Sean, you had mentioned Laura Bradley and some of the resources she had. Do you want to talk more about that? Yes, I have to give huge credit to Laura Bradley and all of her online resources because they were absolutely necessary in my planning and execution of this project the first time that I did it. And so I I imagine there will be some show notes, but her... We will be putting all of these links, yes. Yeah, so I really like... uh, She has sort of two places I would recommend checking out. So one is the um, nanoteacher.org is her website where she has a lot of resources that helped me think about the, uh, about the day-to-day and think about the structures and think about the grading and think, you know, it, it really helped me take this sort of idea that I was excited about and then figure out how I might concretely execute that with students. And so I, I super, super recommend that. She also did some writing for Edutopia about sort of how to do NaNoWriMo. And so through the combination of both of those things, it was, I think those are like uh, super, super helpful. Also, you'll find some of my resources on there too. I've, I've shared a few of the mini lessons I've done on like sensory details and using memories and flashbacks. And so she has uploaded some of those as well. And then I, I think I'll, I'll pass it to, to Mariah too, but I would also have to say that the Young Writers Program resources are super helpful as well. I used, uh, they have uh, like a, a sort of workbook of, you know, activities to help you brainstorm ideas and develop characters. And so I use a, a lot of those too, but I'll, I'll pass it to you, Mariah, to talk about this. Mariah, sure. yeah. So, yes, we have a lot of resources on NaNoWriMo, uh, on the Young Writers Program. The workbooks are really great. We, about two thirds of our participants are in middle school age. So the middle school workbook has been revised about a year and a half ago. So it's like it's up to date with some, some activities that the other workbooks don't have, but will soon, hopefully. We also have done, in our adult program, we, we approach our adult participants as like kind of beginners as well, because a lot of people have never written a novel before. So we have some really great resources that we developed for the adult program that I think I'll, I'll link to below. Like we have a nano prep 101 workshop that has just like offers a lot more support. So I, I mentioned the plot roller coaster. That's what you'll find in the, the workbook. But if you want to look, we also have like the hero's journey and save the cat and like a bunch of other structures to use for plotting in these other kind of these other places that I'm glad to share. As for just like how to plan to take on this huge project. I mean, one, I think being realistic about what you're, what you're going to get from kid, like not every kid is going to write a 50,000 word novel and that's totally okay. You know, that's everyone's working at their own level. And two, I think letting them like go through if one, if you've never done this project as a, as a teacher, like pick another month. that's not November, like pick a summer month and try to write a novel in a month. Like I very much encourage you to do it because when I did it, it changed the way I think about writing, it changed how I think about teaching and it changed how I think about reading. So it's, it's really meaningful. And you also like let your kids go through the ups and downs because that's, that's what it's actually like to, you know, to write, to write a novel and you're kind of there as their cheerleader. Um, yeah. And, and actually the, the notion that if you can't do it now, and I think right now there are many teachers who are sort of like just making it through the week at this particular time, it's a very hard time. So it may also be that uh, you decide you can't do it right now, but you can do the same thing next June if you would like to, or, uh, so I love that idea, Mariah, just, you know, pick a month and try it and go through the process. 
can honestly say you can NaNoWriMo, like the big bang, like bells and whistles is happening in November, but on the Young Writers Program website, we also have an event in, oh my God, April and also one in July that mimics NaNoWriMo. And also teachers, if you create a classroom, you can create a classroom challenge, which will mimic NaNoWriMo. But like, if you want to hold your own NaNoWriMo event in May, like you could do it. Well, to wrap this up, Mariah, would you take us all the way back to the beginning? Yes. And, you know, now that we've heard this, we want to get involved. We want to sign up. Walk us through what she, we should do now. Sure. Should I share my screen again? Just yeah, to... why not? Okay. Um, so what you can do is you can visit, and we'll have this in the show notes, ywp.nanorimo.org to sign up. So it's super easy to sign up. You'll sign up as an educator. You're an adult leading young writers. And once you sign up, I'll sign in and show you. Once you sign up, you'll see your dashboard won't look exactly like mine. I have a lot going on, but you'll see all of the tools that I mentioned. It can be a little overwhelming at first. I, you know, just advise you to poke around. It's not actually that complicated. You can create your own novel. You can create your own classroom. So I have my nano novelist, but you can when that's not here, you'll see a prompt to create a classroom. You can create your own classroom. You can mess around with it as much as you want. To sign up your students, I'm gonna sign out. They'll sign up, same page, but they'll sign up as young writers. And just, just to confirm, I'm gonna pick a random date. If you're over 18, we know we ask that you go to the other NaNoWriMo site. So in this, this is a cool thing. So when you sign up and you create a classroom, you'll see a classroom code on the admin page. And we have lots of instructions for this, so you don't have to remember exactly what I'm saying. If, you're, if you give that code to your students and they sign up using that code, I'll say yes, join that classroom, then they don't need to put this parent guardian email address or their own email address. If you, it's not super obvious, that's what I'm telling you now, but this is optional. It, it's optional if you're joining with the classroom. So I know that that can be like, you know, sometimes teachers, schools have like, spam blockers or whatever. So they don't even need an email if they're signing up with your classroom code. And then they'll automatically get joined into your class when they log in and they can start their novels there. Yeah, YWP, NaNoWriMo.org. We're excited to have you. I do think that it's a really great tool whether or not your students are in person. And I'm excited. I'm excited, it's so soon. <laughs> we are almost there. We're almost there, yes. So thank you both. I think that probably there are some people who are going to be interested in this. And so thank you for all this help to give them. Viewers, if you are one of those folk who are now interested, we'll include all these links. They're great resources. And there's actually really a pretty strong community of teachers that do NaNoWriMo. So it's an opportunity to see how it's been adapted in a whole bunch of other classrooms. And of course, NaNoWriMo will be here if this is not the year for you. It will be here more time during the year in the summer, and it'll be back next year as well. Sean and Mariah, thank you so much for helping people get started with NaNoWriMo. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, yeah it's fun to talk. You're listening to Bye -bye. NWP Radio, a production of the National Writing Project. NWP. Thank you.